Are you ready? It's that time! Welcome to yet another episode of Man Buns and Jesus. Uh, today we have a very special guest with us. Um, unfortunately, he's a Tampa Bay Lightning fan, so we can't necessarily say that with too much uh, joy and, and, and graciousness. Uh, but he is, in fact, a friend, even though he roots for the Lightning. We just circumvent the rules all the time. Um, <laughs> I'm coming out swinging today. Uh, Josh, what are we talking about today? Oh, yeah, that's Josh. I'm Ben. We're pastors, and we do things. Josh, what are we talking about today? And we do today? things. <laughs> well, today, today we're talking about young adult ministry, which is this, of all the topics we've covered, we might be most qualified to talk about this one seen as we're young adults so there's that um and below us well if you're if if you're watching the video and it arrays how i think it arrays on my screen below us if not the other voice in the room is going to be reverend aaron hickey star of the concordia seminary soccer team most handsome man in glasses whose glasses have been broken by andrew mazell during a soccer game and uh, just all around great guy. And Aaron, what I would like to uh, kind of kick things off with is a very simple question. Who has three Stanley Cups in a row? Ooh, that would be the Tampa Bay Lightning. Not the cool. Tampa Bay Lightning. I uh, believe just kidding. Be, it would be uh, would it be? That. I don't know if anyone has it. I just wanted to. It would to... probably either be between the Blackhawks or uh, – or, um... <laughs> Else? You you got to uh, go to like right? Montreal Canadiens, maybe the New York Rangers way back. Guys, guys, day. guys, guys! All like, I wanted was to hear not the Tampa Bay. Not Lightning. the Tampa Bay Lightning. I know. <laughs> That's what I wanted to hear in response to that question. It should have been the Flyers won five cups in the seventies. You know what? I I I live in a glass house. I can't throw stones. The Predators have zero Stanley Cups. So there you go. Tragic. And and for all the crap that I gave the lightning about circumventing the rules, um, the the Vegas Golden Knights this past year were worse, and they just lost their goalie for the season. So there you go. Um, but as I I think I mentioned, I hope I mentioned because that was my job. We're going to be talking about young adult ministry today, and. Um, Honestly, Aaron, this is one of the topics you said you'd be willing to talk about. So I want to hear what do you got? Young adult ministry. Go. There's Young your adult ministry. All right. Thank you. Um, well, I, I offer to talk about youth ministry or young adult ministry or leadership. I guess you did uh, talk to talk about youth ministry already, right? With your pops, right? Um, uh -huh. So uh, we can't do 2.0, right? And if it would be anything, it would be like, 1.0 and then your dad would be 2.0 because this is better but um anyways we don't want to we don't want to go backwards in conversation so we'll try a new conversation with the young adult ministry um so yeah i'm i'm 
uh, Aaron or Pastor Aaron. Um, I am a pastor, associate pastor at Redeemer Lutheran Church in Peoria, Illinois. Um, which is I, in Central Time, by the way. With, which is Central Time <laughs> and not Eastern Time, which is what we've uh, had issues with trying to get onto this podcast. Um, gosh, you know, we just need to get rid of We just all need to be on the same time. Doesn't matter if it's noon and, you know, completely pitch black outside. Um, but yeah, so I, yeah, associate pastor in, in Peoria, Illinois, and um, graduated, well, what is it, like over a year ago now with these two goons. And um, and yeah, I, I, as my role as the associate pastor, um, you know, obviously I'm a pastor, which means I tend to all pastoral duties, preaching the word rightly, administering the sacrament rightly, as well as uh, um, helping out with our shut-ins, hospital visits, all that good stuff, and uh, funerals, baptisms. Um, but I am mainly in charge of youth and young adult ministry. Uh, youth has been pretty easy um, because I just jump into an already existing ministry where as last year when I jumped into uh, Redeemer Lutheran Church, we have had a young adult ministry in the past, but it kind of fell through. So the pastor that was there previously had left about two years before I was able to get there. So there had been about a two year, two, two and a half year hiatus from the young adult ministry. Um, and I kind of immediately started sitting down with some of our young adults in the congregation and who are a little bit more active and had talked about um she's gonna talk to <laughs> my daughter if you're on spotify this is my daughter um making her comments in two cents but i yeah i sat down with some of our young adult um people in their late 20s early 30s um just to ask their thoughts on the whole situation specifically at our church and um and i think their reflections were a lot like many of the reflections of young adults in the lutheran church missouri synod which is that denomination that we're, uh, we're all three of us are, um, are uh, honored to be pastors in. And they haven't kicked us out yet is what he's trying to say. Yes, yeah, trying to get that pay raise from the president. Um, but anyways, uh, I, I think the reflections were, were mainly we've felt um, neglected, right? Um, and I think young adults in... in and it, it may not just be in the, it definitely is not just in the Missouri Senate, it's across um, Christianity. There's um, some neglect that happens with our young adults. Um, and we kind of have to take a good look at what are we talking about when we speak of young adults. And in my mind, um, you kind of have to split things up. You got to split hairs sometimes. And so obviously we've got high school youth group, right? Middle school and high school youth group. And then we have college, um, which gets into about all the way up to 21 to 22 years old, right, is when our uh, college kids, what, how old our college kids are. Um, and my thinking of young adult ministry is with people who are in their 20s and 30s that are just past college. Um, and so we look at that and we say, okay, well, there's still hairs that we can split, but we have to try and mend all of that together right so young old young adults who are in their 20s and 30s and if we split hairs we're looking at you know singles married and young families right and if you want you could even add in 
divorced, um, which is, which may be early thirties, late thirties, you might have some people in your congregation who, uh, who are already divorced. And so that could count as uh, someone who is single, but a little bit different or with the young family and single, but a little bit different from those two groups that I, those, those two of the three groups that I named, which was single married and um, young family. Now, I wonder if, and, and like, I genuinely want to know what you guys think about this. I wonder if we would be better off even if instead of, because I, I know we love to do the age thing, but if we look at it more on kind of where in life people are, which age is connected with, but it's not the only, so when, when I think young adults, I think um, someone who has a job is mostly self-sufficient, but is not, they don't have a career established. Um, and if they have a home, it's a starter home. So I, I mean, cause I, at Edgewater, we have some people who I would, I would hundred percent classify as young adults who didn't go to the college route. They're only 20, maybe 21. I, I would say they're young adults, but it's, I, the reason I think they're in that category is because they took a different route in life mm -hmm. and their, their maturity is such that they can interact with a young adult group. Um, whereas if there was a 35 year old who right out of high school had started working their way up through management in some company and their, their upper middle management, they're well established. Like I would say they might not really fit in well with the young adult group anymore because they're not, they're not facing the same life situations anymore. Mm -hmm. I don't know if that's a fair way to divide things, but yeah. See, so I started a young adult group, not just here at my own congregation, but across the entire circuit of churches in the area. Um, and we have myself and a couple other people I was talking to had a really hard time drawing distinctions on where the cutoff should be. At first it was like 35. And then we realized that was kind of an arbitrary number because there are people in the area, people within my congregation who are just starting to have a family who are at or approaching 40. Um, and they like culturally look a lot like a lot of our younger members who are in their mid to late twenties. Um, and then on the flip side of that, pastor of the church 15 minutes north of me is 36 37 Matt I'm sorry if I'm misaging you um and he's got a daughter that's I think going into her sophomore junior year in high school um and he acts like he's like solid middle-aged dad mode um and he's on the younger side of that so like it's really hard to draw that distinction but I think I think on some level, Josh, you're probably bringing up a fair point that some of it's probably due to socioeconomic situation. I think some of it's related to family situation. Um, Aaron is the first of the three of us to have had a kid. You will be the first one of the three of us to not no longer be a young adult because uh, your daughter will drag you out of that, that uh, <laughs> distinction faster than the two of us. Um, 
and I think on some level it's cultural. I think to some extent it's the the like ideological stance that some of us take based on our own interactions with the church. Um, for myself, at least, and I, I think Josh and Aaron, you guys have probably both faced this to some extent. You walk into a church, uh, especially a church within the LCMS, um, especially before you were a pastor, you would walk into an LCMS church. And in a lot of situations, those churches would have a hard time either speaking or ministering to you as a, as a person. Um, and on some level, it was because they didn't understand the culture that you were finding yourself surrounded by. On some level, it was probably um, because uh, the, the majority of a congregation is oftentimes not at, at the young adult stage of life. Um, and so that, that kind of portion of life is not necessarily given as much um, effort Attention. or attend. Yeah. Um, there's that whole like old uh, pattern that, that a lot of churches rely on where like a lot of high schoolers and college age people will wander away for a bit, then they'll get married, have their first kid, the kid will start asking existential questions and then they're like, oh crap, I need to actually know how to answer these. Um, like when your first kid asks you what happens when we die, like that scares a lot of people back to church. We shouldn't rely on that to scare people back to church, but it scares a lot of people back to church. And because those people kind of miss that age gap of like straight out of college to, okay, I have a young family now. Um, churches don't necessarily invest that much in it because those people are oftentimes not there. So I think that's part of it. But then there's also just other reasons that churches aren't good at necessarily ministering to young adults that are more difficult to explain and have would take more time than we have on this podcast for it. So um if I can yeah, of, interject, I, I think some direction here, and, and Aaron, I'd love to hear what you think. What, because Ben touched on it, what are the problems in how the church deals with young adults? Whether that's things you've seen or whether that's things you've experienced as a young adult. Like, where do we as a church screw up? Now that we've clearly decided that there's no distinct, no clear distinction for what is a young adult. Yes. Now that we've muddied the waters, <laughs> let's drop some knives in the water. That's that's what we're going yeah. for. And some broken glass. <laughs> well, I, I think I actually have a, an answer for that. Like where, like we've gone wrong as a church, um, and I would say specifically the church of um, of the of the active church, if that makes sense. So like the our fifties our or sixties or seventies who are constantly in the pews, constantly volunteering, constantly going to Bible study. Um, they've kind of been the ones who have built this, built this thing, right? Like they've invested so much. And to be honest, they're the ones who are investing their money into the church. And when they get to a certain age, they're saying, well, we're sorry. <laughs> You're okay. Yeah. It makes this podcast better. Yeah. Yeah. Just a little girl. Just, uh, just Hey, she's time. wiser than any of the three of us probably. Oh yeah. <laughs> Beyond her years yeah. and ours. Um, but 
something that I've heard con- uh, a few times is, you know, where are the young people um, to basically, you know, more or less words to basically take up what we're, what we started. Um, you know, we have this great thing happening or that happened and it was awesome and wonderful. And we started it here. Everyone was, you know, so hyped up about it. And now 20, 30 years later, um, the certain individual who started that ministry up or whatever it is, um, basically retired from that portion of ministry, um, got tired, whatever it was, you know, we can't volunteer forever. Right. Um, and so their expectations are, well, someone else has to take up the mantle, um, in a way, kind of take up my legacy. And I think it's wrong for us as the church to tell the younger generation, like millennials that, Hey, um, this is what has been happening for years and we loved it when it first started and it was a great success when it first started so now we need you to basically just copy and paste everything that we did rather than going up to our young adults and saying hey you have talents and skills I want you to be creative in a way where you can have ownership of a ministry here where you can start something of your own and say okay well and and then also take inventory if they will what have we had for 30 years that was a success in the beginning, but now doesn't really do anything. Um, doesn't have a, a, a contribution to the ministry in the area that we're, um, that we're doing ministry. Do we need to, do we need to nix it and say, we need to find something else that's new and innovative that could be started from a young adult who has the fire in them to take, you know, to kick it off, to, to shuttle it off. So that's where I think we've um, missed the mark is, you know, we look at all these old things and say, it's like, we, we look at it like it with rose colored glasses. It was so great. Yeah. It was great 20 years ago. Um, but then that person who started it, who had the fire to bring everyone on board is no longer here or they, you know, they just stepped down from it and you can't expect people to continue to, take up the mantle and just copy and paste what you used to do. You have to have ownership in order to create that fire and that, that eagerness to do ministry. I think, I think what you're getting at here, Aaron, and it's kind of an unstated uh, theme of the podcast throughout a lot of our episodes. Uh, the church isn't and shouldn't be a cultural monolith. And like for us to continue to act like it is, especially when it comes to how we serve people coming from you know whether it's a new generational culture a new work culture a new familial culture um a new educational culture like all of these things um to assume that we can continue to minister to them in the same way that we've been ministering to people for the last 50 years isn't inherently going to work and i i think you're absolutely right about that um there's certainly a, a challenge to that um, so I'm going to throw this back at you again, then my question for you is if we can't continue programs on forever, what should be markers of a, it's time to end date this program and B, um, maybe some suggestions in your mind of like, 
things that we should see in something that we want to do as a church um, before we greenlight something new. Um, Especially in the realm of like serving him adults. Yeah, I think the you know, first before I'm going to start with that second part of the question of like, what should we look for? What should be the um, the framework that we look to to stay inside of and say this is, you know, what we can start is, uh, you know, first and foremost, look at, you know, what God has called us to do, which is to preach his word and and, um, um, and all that. But then also to look at our own mission of our church. What is our mission? Um, and each church has their own thing and it's to do whatever within your boundaries and area. Um, so right now our, our mission currently is kind of a wide casting net. It's, uh, you know, because we belong, we worship, we witness and we serve, um, you know, whatever we're going to decide next, does it have to do with kind of one of those four things, um, belonging, worship, witnessing and serving, um, and it's so like for myself, we, we've started a young adult ministry where, you know, <clears throat> it's been not well attended in the past. And so the decision is, okay, well, how can we get people to come? Well, we have to start off somewhere. We can't just dive into the, the book of numbers and do a Bible study, um, you know, for the next 20 weeks. Um, that's just not appeasing, right? You have to do something geared around fellowship, I think, with young adults and then work your way up um going along with what we talked about last time which was you know once you're baptized then you grow you, you're, you're taught right you're taught what to do and so um start little and then and then continue on it's going to take time but that's what we're here for the church as the church and i wonder because i in hearing all this stuff it reminds me i went to a a session at the National Youth Gathering where um, one of the leaders of the gathering, who's a big statistical person, just brought to bear a bunch of statistics about different generations and about trends that they noticed. And one of the things that is currently true of millennials and Gen Z especially, which are, if you're running a young adult group, a quarter to a half of them are probably going to identify with Gen Z just as much as they do with the millennial generation. I think the millennial um, cutoff is like us. So your your young adults are. I'm either 20. the oldest Gen Z or the youngest millennial, mm -hmm. depending You're, on what stuff. Are you ninety? So we're looking like twenty yeah. four, twenty three to twenty eight. I, I think the distinction that I've seen is either the ninety six or ninety seven for that cutoff. Um, so I mean, it depends. Anyway, all this is beside the point I'm trying to make. So there are a couple of things that that they these young generations really seem to value. One of them is on like entrepreneurship, getting things started, having ownership of something, which I mean, everyone appreciate like owner giving people ownership in something is that's true no matter who you are, no matter what demographic you're reaching. But the reality is when we say you have to do things exactly how we've done them, like you're just kind of stepping in to line, you're like you're not giving as much of an opportunity for ownership there as having uh, having a discussion and saying, well, where can you step in? What do you see our needs? So like giving that ownership, um, 
but you, you say that it has to focus around fellowship. I 100% agree with you, but there are two things that the message that is brought has to have. And I think some people would say for, you know, for Gen Z and for millennials, but this is probably true across the board. It has to be authentic and it has to be meaningful. So like you mentioned the study about numbers, I would argue it's not because of the nature, like the, the academic nature or the, or the biblical literacy level of numbers. I would argue the reason that, that young adults might not want to step into numbers is because it has of it, it does not have a very easy direct application to it's not meaningful right yeah and, and you know we all went to the same classes there is stuff to learn the old testament's important numbers is important but it doesn't you you have to cross more bridges right and with the authenticity you know with i mean just social media by itself has trained us exceedingly well our bs meter as young adults is very well tuned if you're feeding a young adult a line a lot of them are going to catch up on it within a couple words so when we do these things that are just they're programmatic they're not really taking like if you view young adults as a commodity because you just want young people in the church you don't actually care about their discipleship they're going to pick up on that and say, well, if I'm just a number, if I'm just a commodity, I'm not going to bother. Like, you don't actually care about me. You don't actually want my faith to develop. You just want to check the young adult box. And if that's what you're doing with young adult ministry, I, I wouldn't go. And I'm a pastor. So if you think you're going to get someone off the street who's not a church person, good luck. I'll, I mean, I'll pray for you. That's kind of what I, when I think about what you're talking about, that's where some of my head goes is you got to consider your mission, but you also, you have to actually be genuine with what you're doing. Uh, and if I can jump in. Um, so what we're, right. what we've decided to do for this summer um, was follow like a group of Peoria, like from Peoria parks. And so we're deciding to go to one of their events each month. And I invited the whole, you know, all of young adults to come. You know, I said, you can, it's good for singles, you know, young families, all that. It's very inclusive. Um, but what I've noticed is that some of the people who have either come or have made an effort to come, um, maybe didn't, haven't been able to come yet, but have, you know, said, uh, you know, we put it on our calendar, just our, you know, kids were going crazy that, you know, that day or whatever it was. Um, those people who had an effort or came were the ones who I had specific conversations with outside of it, where, um, and that's, that's the whole idea of it was, you know, <clears throat> try and make relationships and then say, you can come to this event. That's fun. And you'll have someone, you know, that you can talk to and hang out. And I think that's a big thing too, is people want to be a part of things, but they feel very, they're not, they're not going to go to anything unless they know someone there that they can talk to right especially if you're a single person um you have to know someone there so that you can make sure that when you get there you can go right to them and have a a, a good conversation right otherwise no one wants you just to, feel like you're standing in the middle of nowhere and right no one wants to go to a party and be the guy who stands in the corner mumbling to himself 
Ben. Hey. Hey. Um. I, I, so, oh, sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. Well, you were talking about like statistics and things like that, and um, the the typical nature of young adults, and especially like millennials, because I would consider twenties and thirties, you know, upper twenties or mid to upper twenties, and then the thirties as more millennial. Um, we talked at seminary a lot about the idea of uh, window shopping when it comes to churches and things like that. Um, or like moralistic therapeutic deism, you know, like grabbing what you want and making it your, you know, your own, what, whatever makes me feel good is my religion kind of thing. Um, and I've, and I might've brought it up to you guys when we were at seminary, but it's a, it's kind of a, a thought that I've built while I was going to school of, you know, it, I think it's, I think today's more or less, uh, less, um, window shopping and more subscription service. And I think that really goes into the context of our world today, because if you look at everything around us, what, you know, we don't window shop, like, that's not what we do. We, we subscribe to things and it's not just a, you know, a constant subscription all the time. It's a once a month minimal payment of $7.99 and I can have whatever I want at the leisure of my fingertips, Right. I can have that subscription, Netflix, Amazon, all that stuff. Soap. Soap, yes, yes. <laughs> so I, I, I'll, I'll say it. I am a subscriber to Dr. Squatch. I get my soap in the mail. It just <laughs> magically comes every few months, and there we go. Yes. Dog so food, I'm on Chewy. Dog food. Yeah. We, we're not on Chewy. We're on a local one, but yeah, same thing. Oh. Um, so what does that mean for, like, what, how... What does subscribing to a church look like? Like, how does that? I think subscribing, honestly, I think subscription to church to a lot of millennials these days is like their subscription to Netflix. They have it because it was the first one that was ever in existence, but the uh, content isn't um, as appeasing anymore even though they keep throwing out more content you know like it doesn't sound like netflix to you like and then yeah yeah i don't want to bash netflix i i have an account but i'm going to be honest i flip through it for like an hour not finding anything that i want to watch then you go to and Google i still pay HBO seven Max bucks a month or eight but whatever it is now to have the subscription service and i think that that's true with the church you know there's young adults who are willing to subscribe by going once a week um, but there's not much innovation that they're seeing and, um, yeah, maybe there, maybe there needs to be something different or maybe bring them into the conversation so that there can be something different. Um, and this kind of goes along the line. I mean, we can said segue into subscription service and money to how many, young adults are tithing these days and like let's go away from the traditional word tithing and just say literally just putting some sort of amount of money in the plate on a sunday morning or on a monthly basis right um, Who's i don't know about you guys but giving units in a lot of churches is way down but those certain giving units are giving a lot more than usual and my suspicion 
is that those giving units are typically 60s and 70s and less Which, 20s and 30s. To be fair, I mean, if we're speaking population level generalizations, mm -hmm. the 50s and 60s have a lot more. They do have a lot more. Income, yes. Right. I'm not saying that's an more. excuse, but yeah. it makes it a lot easier to give every month when you're not worried about whether or not you can pay your utilities. Yeah. Um, but we have been a, a subscription service where, you know, you can come and your subscription only is to, you just have to show up. And honestly, you can, in most places, you can show up for Christmas and Easter. Sometimes you can only do one. You, you only have to do one. You can just do Christmas or Easter. And that's your subscription service. And you've checked the box. Um, and, and, and I think that that does change when you start to have kids um because then there's something that's recognized with plus yeah yeah <laughs> then you you're then the you're saying well now i need something for my kid too right and, but not just like sunday school so you know so i can go get brunch which some people do do that but um but also the fact that, well, I know that my kid needs a structure and I also know that it takes a village to, to raise a kid. And so you'll find young adults who are young families, maybe be more invested in the church. Um, but yeah, there's, there's something to be said about this subscription service of, well, I've done my part by showing up on Sunday and, um, I don't really have to be involved. Um, and the less they're involved, the less pastors and church leaders are willing to ask those certain individuals if they'd like to be an elder or a, um, a trustee or um, be on a subcommittee or whatever it is. So I have two questions that, well, I'm just going to put them out there and we'll see. The first is, can we do anything about it? And I suspect the answer is, is no. Like, yeah, we can say that the subscription way to think about things isn't the best, but like you're fighting a losing battle if you're trying to get rid of it. So the, the other, and I could, you could disagree with me, right? Whatever. But the follow-up question is how do we take advantage of that mindset. And what comes to mind for me is Chris and I have a subscription shocker um, called butcher box where once a month we get a, we get a box full of all of our, all of our like meat products for the month. Yeah, um, you know, the, the chicken and the ground beef and the bacon and the pork and the, like whatever, whatever we've ordered for the month, it just comes in the subscription. And, a few months ago, we get an email from ButcherBox whose price hasn't changed in like the year and a half we used them. And the email is, it's from their CEO or whatever. And he says, to the effect of like, we don't want to raise our prices, but with the cost of transporting everything, the cost of production, like all these costs are going up, we have to raise our prices. I think it was like $10 uh, for the monthly subscription. He's like, we, we have to bump it up and we're so sorry. And my response was immediately, this is worthwhile. I appreciate this service. 
I'm more than happy to pay the additional ten dollars. I'm I'm willing to step in. I'm I'm with like uh, ButcherBox is one of those companies where if anyone ever asks me, I will say yes. I 100% recommend them. Go for it. I will I'll send you a link so that I get a reward for you signing up if you want to <laughs> sign up. Um, but it, like it has my loyalty, it has my support so much so that when they email me with that, I replied because I knew some poor customer service person was going to be reading a bunch of angry emails. And I said, we really appreciate the service. We understand that the cost has to go up. Uh, I like something to the effect of, I hope you have a good day. I like, here's one positive email for all the crap you're going to have to deal with. Right. How do we make church more like that? Where we increase the price, we ask for more than just showing up twice a year. And not only will people do it, but they're kind of almost passionate about doing it. Oh, Ben, put your arm down. I can see the stink lines from here. <laughs> Josh, I think the answer that you're looking for is in your question. Like, you have to prove that there's a quality of service, right? Um, one of the things that we've kind of harped on today a lot is for a lot of people in the younger generations, there is a, a separation between um, them and like actually being able to engage in our churches. Um, and like, like I've said before, it's not necessarily age, it's not necessarily culture, it's not necessarily socioeconomic things, it's not necessarily work things. It's kind of all of them together and none of them at the same time. But for whatever reason, there's a divide there. And it's prevented them from being able to like access these things that we're talking about as a church, like being able to hear the gospel and hear, hear it actually having an impact on their lives, being able to be a part of a strong Christian fellowship that they feel is impactful to them, um, being a part of of having ownership of whatever community they're a part of, because that so frequently is not necessarily the case. Um, and then also walking into a place and actually seeing people that look like them. Um, that's a, an immense challenge for a lot of people as if they walk in and they don't feel comfortable because they stand out like a sore thumb, they're not gonna well, wanna return. And, and so, I think like, even more fundamental than that, even if you're not standing out, like if I walk into a congregation and everyone else in the congregation is over 60, mm -hmm. I'm sure they're all nice people. But what I think in my head is like, I won't have any real friends here. Mm -hmm. Like I won't have, I don't, I won't have any peers here. So even if yeah. you're not concerned about standing out, like there's a question of, especially I, as a I'm not going to connect with anyone. Yeah. 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 So as, as I'm, for my young adult group here, I serve a church that worships somewhere between 70 and 100 on a Sunday, um, depending on if it's a, a normal week or a good week. Um, and we have one, two, three, four, five, six, six or seven other churches in our circuit that are in a similar boat. Um, one mega church that serves serves like 1200 on a Sunday. Um, they're an exception to the rule. But for the majority of us, our young people, when they walk into our churches, 
there's like two or three other people in the entire congregation that look like them that are in the same stage of life that are in the same kind of socioeconomic place that are um in the same like cultural challenges um and so for me at least my focus in, in young adults has been we need to give these people a place to be in fellowship with other people around their same age because like if we give them an opportunity to have Christian, like good Christian fellowship where they feel comfortable talking about the things that are challenging them specifically without being um, like judged for it, essentially. Um, then when we go back into our congregational spaces where we do a pretty good job of, of teaching scripture, at least I hope we do a pretty good job of teaching scripture, of proclaiming the gospel, people are more willing and ready to accept it because they have had like that Sabbath rest of, okay, there are other people around me that believe the same thing I do that want to engage in the word, the way that I do that want to engage with God, the way that I do. Um, and so now like when I go back and I'm, I'm, I'm worshiping with my congregation full of people that don't look like me, I can remember I'm still not alone. And I do have something to bring to this place. Yeah. I think uh, something big too is trying to develop like leadership mm. within like within the church with the young adults. And that can definitely be very hard in a church that, you know, of 90 on a Sunday and most people are not your age. And to be, you know, involved in the board of elders with a bunch of people who are 30, 40 years older than you uh, is intimidating. Um, well, and I think an important thing to recognize with that, too, is if, especially if you're listening to this and you're in that older demographic, stop treating young adults like they're still youth. Mm -hmm. Right. If, if you have a young adult sitting on your elder board, respect them as an elder. Don't, respect their perspective like they like they're bringing right. something different just like every other man in that room is bringing in something different you don't you don't treat them like oh that's cute that you think that like wait until you grow up and then you can have an opinion and yeah no um but i think with with that you know to develop leadership you got to start you got to start with small bite-sized things and that's what we're finding out not just with young adults, but in our church as a whole, like we can't just go out and say, we're going to do a 10 week study on this for a Bible study. Like you got to do bite size. You got to do, you know, we're going to do a four week study on something called, you know, the you know, life together. And um, we hope that you can make it. You can bring your kids to Sunday school and there's time to, to come to something new to the Bible class with us and, and make it small amounts. There's a, a podcast that um, I don't know. Are you allowed to like promote other podcasts? I don't. Know. <laughs> um, yeah, I've already I done that today. Yeah. Well, there's there's a pod, an LCMS podcast from uh, King of Kings in Omaha, uh, Nebraska. Great. Um, and that's where Zach Zender, the Red Letter Challenge guy, is at. And their senior pastor, Greg Griffith, has his own podcast, The Greg Griffith Show, and he has a, an excellent um, episode on leadership. Oh, Clara, 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 um, and leadership. Uh, or no volunteering um the leadership episode is good too but the volunteering one his idea is you know a one-to-one -one, um 
to two something like, or no a one yeah one to one to two ratio for for volunteering you know you can send out the mass email or put it on the screens at church saying we need help with this but you're going to get one out of 100 people to volunteer for it right if that that's like that's a good ratio for that approach where his approach is you go up to someone face to face one on one and you ask them in person you know i'd like for you to do this if you need to take time and pray on it go for it but if you would like to do this i'd like you to find two others to help you in in this thing and when you also ask them to volunteer for something it's not a every week thing especially if they're you know young families they've got kids they've got jobs they got a lot to do so if you can do something that's like a once a month type of scenario that's a lot more appeasing to them than every week um, on your own blah blah blah. no i want you to find two others you know if it's a in a, a church that has a few young adults it'll be easier for them to find two others of their peers to help them with it. And, um, and then you start from there, building up the leadership that is within them and give them the room to grow and to create that ownership. Like Josh and I were talking about um, and saying, you know, like make this your own, make this something that you would be passionate enough about that when you go tell people about it, they're going to be excited just by hearing you talk about it. Right. Because if I come up with something and say, go do it, go lead it, they're not going to be passionate about it and they're not going to get anyone to help out. But if I can get them to start something new on their own, they're going to be fired up about it. And when they tell others about it, then they're going to be excited. And and that's how you create that leadership within not just young adults, but really with anybody, um, with with high schoolers, with um, you know our 50s and 60s. So sorry if that's offensive to loop those in. I'm not really looping 50s and 60s in but yeah i'm not offended are you offended ben no i, I do right. have my takeaway now though oh yeah yeah are, are we ready for takeaways probably Got any more questions for aaron okay so aaron again we didn't we didn't tell you this because we don't prepare our guests for these shows um we, we like to end each episode with just, if you had one takeaway from, from the episode that you want, that you want listeners to take with them, what would the one takeaway be? And we will give you the option. If you're ready with one and you want to take the easiest one, you can go first. If you need to think about it, I'll make Ben go first. Uh, ben, why don't you go first? I'd like to hear what you got. All right. So, so my takeaway from this is um, if you are in the age range of not young adult, um, and you feel like we've been trashing on you today. Um, one, if you feel like it's been taken as law, then you're forgiven. We just want to challenge you to know that, like, a lot of people in our generation are frustrated with the way that the church has operated for, for much of our lives. Um, if you feel like we've been trashing in your generation unfairly, we apologize because that's certainly not our intent. Um, we just want to make you aware of some of the realities that we see going around on around us. Uh, and finally, to to our young adults listening to this podcast, um, don't hear what you hear today as uh, you can ignore the the elderly people in your congregation. Um, 
it is our scripture call to lean into the wisdom that they have gleaned over many years. Uh, it is our our joy to be able to learn, lean into the things that they can teach us about life and the faith uh, and the many things around us that we see in the world. Um, and so our hope from this is that we can engage across generations. If we bring uh, young adults into, into a congregation more fully, let them feel that sense of ownership, let them feel that sense of fellowship, let them feel that sense of belonging uh, and quality product. Uh, a, I'm still not entirely comfortable with that one, but we'll roll with it. Um, then hopefully you see more cross-generational ministry happening, more cross-generational uh, work of the body of Christ happening. And then everybody feels valued. And it's not, we don't need to sit here for another 45 minutes to an hour and rail on the fact that somebody feels ostracized from the church. That's our dream. All right, so Ben took care of all of our damage control for the episode. <laughs> you got a takeaway for us, Aaron? Um, yeah, I think uh, a takeaway is, you know, there's untapped potential everywhere in your congregation, um, including those who, you know, may not be as active, um, you know, typically. It's really just trying to, to take time, build those relationships, and, and asking them, to, to bring their skills and talents. Cause even if they're not providing their finances to church, they can certainly provide their skills and their talents. Um, and another, another thing to say too, is, you know, 30, 40 years from now, um, these millennials, these young adults will be 50, 60, 70 years old. Um, we have to take in, into consideration what the church is going to look like. 30 or 40 years from now um how do we want it to look and then how will we want you know when we're there and, and at that age how will we want the new young adults to take on the or take up the mantle if you will take up the the olympic fire um but make it their own and um, um but in a way that's still distinctly god's church um and to, to round things out, my my takeaway is simply to, to, to actually genuinely care about the young people in your congregation. I think I had a very similar takeaway for the youth ministry episode we did. It's just like it's, familiar. <laughs> it's not it's not rocket science. Genuinely care about the young people that come into the congregation. Because the reality going along with Aaron, the reality is by age 24 or 25, most people have the faith that they are in is the one they're going to stick with, barring something going very wrong with church. So, like, care about them enough to reach them with the gospel where they're at. Care enough, I, I guess I should say, care enough about us to reach us with the gospel where we're at. Not saying that any three, any of the three of us necessarily need to be witness to but like actually genuinely care about the young people in your congregation and in your community that's my takeaway so um prayer I have, prayer i have oh. two final things before we before we cut out here one uh if you if you still need a, a 
takeaway from this. Let's do this for Aaron's daughter. Let's make sure that she has a church to go to in 30 Clara, days. Clara, Clara. So there's one. And then two, I have confirmation from Andrew Mazzell that he has not broken anyone else's glasses on a soccer field. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, so prayer the request church, to... The church will endure, Ben. No matter <laughs> what. Whether it's us or not, it's all God's hands. Um, oh, I know. I'm just so saying. Some... Like, let's do it for Clara. Yes. <laughs> Some final prayer requests to send you on your way, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, pray, pray for young adults. Pray that the gospel would reach them and pray for your witness to them in whatever capacity that is. Um, and pray for churches that have to navigate all this and have to try and connect people from all different parts of the world, parts of the parts of culture, parts of whatever, have to connect them all to one gospel. Like, it's a big thing, and, and we have God, but that doesn't make it any less stressful sometimes. So pray for churches. Um, and finally, shameless plug time. Uh, check us out on your, your favorite podcasting platform, whatever that might be, except for Pandora. Suck it, Subscribe. Pandora. Subscribe. Yes, it costs absolutely nothing. But uh, Click the button, subscribe. Ring the like, bell. Subscribe, ding. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I, I hate myself a little more now, but uh, no, if you subscribe, the, the big thing with subscribe, well, there are two big things with subscription. One, you get notifications when we release new episodes or when we release hot takes, which are things we release on the podcast, but we don't really advertise anywhere else. So you get them kind of not exclusively, but kind of exclusively if you're a subscriber. Um, and also, like, there's some validation for us, right? If we see we have subscribers, we know people are actually listening, and this is actually worth the time we put into it. So there's there's also that. Um, and much less important, but still there, we do have a Facebook page that you're welcome to like uh, if you want. Um, but what it's mostly there for is if you're not personally connected to either Ben or myself, and you can't shoot us a text, if you have a, if you have a topic you want us to cover, please, by all means, you can post it on the Facebook page, you can message the Facebook page, we will see it, we will add it to our list. At this point, it's kind of a long list, so I can't promise you how soon we're going to get to it, but we'll get to it. Or if you want to come on the show, like Aaron just did, what a handsome gentleman, you probably can't live up to Aaron because of how great he is, but you can still come on the show and enjoy our company. Let's be honest, for... the joy of this episode has been Clara. But, uh, that's true. These are These are big facts. Um, but we were, no matter what you, what your background is, we would be happy to have you on the show. We'd be happy to talk with you. Um, and I think I'm out of shameless plugs. So with that, brothers hang and on, sisters, hang on, up, hang on. up, 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 Aaron, do you have anything you want to plug? Um, just tune in next week uh, while Josh, uh, answers the crux of the Logorum. Okay. <laughs> 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 you're making promises i can't keep aaron i don't know how i feel about that i'll also give you an excellent analogy on the trinity oh she uh. thanks just <laughs> i'm also going to solve world hunger and tell yes. nobody <laughs> thank you for having me on guys um this was uh, awesome and i uh, look forward to the next time and if you listen to this episode because you were also friends with aaron at seminary Tune in next week, where our guest will be the esteemed Reverend Dr. Joel Bierman. Exciting stuff. Brothers and sisters, go in peace. Serve the Lord.
Thanks be to Thanks God. Thanks be to God.